Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my property mastermind mentorship. Hello, and welcome to episode number 51 of the Property Magic Podcast. Now, last weekend, we held our annual Property Magic Live event. It was our biggest event ever, completely sold out, 500 delegates. Now, obviously, it was a virtual event because we can't physically get together at the moment, but there was a whole ton of valuable content and information. And so I want to share with you some of the key lessons and learnings from that event because I think it'll be really valuable for you on your property journey. Now, we're actually doing a longer webinar all about this, but I want to give you some of the quick highlights straight away so you can start implemented them in your property journey. Now, it was a really successful event. Uh, most of the delegates were obviously from the UK, but we actually had delegates from literally all over the world, including Dubai, Hong Kong, Brazil, and as far as Australia. What was great for these overseas investors is they were able to meet UK-based investors. And I think there'll be a lot of joint ventures going forward as a result of this event. So let me share with you now the 10 key lessons. The first thing to take away was really the market update. And I do this every year. Now the content of Property Magic Live does change every year. And it's all about what's happening for the next 12 months to really get our delegates to, ready to make the most of that. And there are three, three core trends. The first one was um, really learning how to find great property deals. The second one was how to creatively fund those deals using other people's money. And the third element was mindset. And I believe mindset is just so critically important if you want to be successful in life or property or anything, really. So obviously, first of all, we talked about the current market and what was happening right now. And we said, although there's a mini boom in the market, and this is very much due to the pent up demand coming through from the lockdown and the normal spring and summer boom, which couldn't really happen. Um, the whole market's very busy, estate agent, mortgage brokers, surveyors. So actually now, if you want to sell a property, now is a really good time to sell. But don't get lulled into this false sense of security because we believe, and we had a number of expert interviews and everyone was saying the same thing, we believe the property market is going to crash and there are going to be some incredible opportunities. And the Bank of England predicted a 16% slump in prices and obviously the government believed prices are going to come down as well. That's why they've introduced this stamp duty holiday for purchases up to £500,000 up until the end of March 2021, they're getting rid of stamp duty. Now, as investors, we still have to pay the extra 3% sur surcharge, but this is probably going to stimulate the market. And the government doesn't like giving away tax revenue. They've done it because they want to stimulate the market. So what does a crash really mean for you? Well, remember, the fundamentals in the UK are still the same, that over the long term, property prices will continue to rise because we live on an island with a limited amount of accommodation and an increasing population. And obviously people will always still need somewhere to live. However, the type of tenants might change if we go into a deeper recession with more and more people uh, getting made redundant and going onto the unemployed benefit line. Well, you know, the nature of those tenants might change. We might see more tenants on benefits. But actually, I believe there's going to be less competition in the property market because many amateurs are going to be scared and many amateurs are going to think, or oh, maybe we should wait until the market bottoms out and then we should start investing. And whilst that is a, a, a fairly logical assumption, actually, if you wait until the market crashes, that's too late. You can get the best deals when the market's coming down. 
And actually, when the market's coming down, sellers are far more open to creative solutions, such as things like purchase these options and vendor finance, which is one of the other key learnings I want to share with you on this podcast today. So it's a great opportunity for those of us who are ready. Um, Lesson number two was very much about understanding return on investment and return on equity, ROE. So let me just remind you. So as a listener to this podcast, you should be very familiar with what return on investment is, ROI. It's calculated as follow. So we take the annual profit and we divide it by the initial investment required to secure that property. And then we multiply that by 100 to give us a percentage. So the higher the percentage, the better the deal. Now, most buy-to-let properties around the UK might give you a 5 to 6% ROI. You can get more than that on single lets, but that's an average. And in London, it might be as low as 2 to 3%. HMOs, houses multiple occupation, should give you more than 15% ROI. That's why they're a very popular strategy. So let me just talk a little bit about ROE, which is return on equity. Now, this is something that um, you can use if you're a more advanced investor, if you've already got a portfolio. I think this is an activity you should do every year to look at your portfolio and work out what is the ROE. So the way we calculate that is we take the annual profit and we divide that by the equity in the property after tax. So in other words, if you were to sell your property and pay the relevant capital gains tax, which you have to pay on investment properties, how much equity would be left over? Because that equity, you could reinvest it in another property elsewhere. So this really looks at the opportunity cost of you tying up money in a property. And so annual profit divided by equity after tax, we multiply that by 100 again to give us a percentage. And obviously, the higher the percentage, uh, the better. But what you should do is, how does this ROE compare to ROI on a new property? And very often, you might find that you uh, an older property has got an infinite return because you've remortgaged it and taken your money out and you've got a reasonable cash flow. But if you look at ROE, you're seeing the opportunity cost is actually quite high. And it might be better to take that money and reinvest it into um, another property that gives you a higher ROI or even into a couple of different properties. So this is a, a really important exercise for more advanced investors to do on a regular basis on their portfolio. And we then touched on the five ways of how to increase your ROI, uh, which is basically you increase the top half of the formula. So you increase the rent or you reduce the costs. And then you could work on the bottom half of the formula, i.e. put less money in, use none of your own money, or um, do momentum investing where you put money in, but you recycle it out quickly. So improving your ROI is a really important thing we need to do on a regular basis. Uh, Lesson number three was really we talked about creative finance and I talked through the the fact that there are lots of different ways of funding deals using very little of your own money. Now, if you have your own money, of course, use that first because it's really good to get a track record, especially if you want to go and use other people's money. They need to know that you know what you're doing. Um, But if you don't have any money, there are strategies such as rent to rent you can use to also gain that credibility. And then you've got to know how to find great deals. I mean, that's the, the key thing about being an investor. How do you find really good deals? And ideally, they're good enough so that there's enough profit in there for you to share some of that profit with someone else, whether that's a private loan or a joint venture. The whole point is there's enough cash produced, enough ROI, so that if someone else puts some of the money in, 
you can give them a great return, but there's still a really good return for you. Now, I think most investors start with joint ventures where they find the deal, someone else puts some money in, they share the profit and the equity and the cash flow. But actually, that's a very expensive ways of doing things. And um, if you want to be a more successful investor, you want to move from joint ventures onto private loans. There's a key learning distinction there for you. We then had an interview with Andrew Hall, who's the property director at Crowd Property. And we talked through a number of different ways that Crowd Property can help finance deals using little of your own money. Now, all lenders want to see you put some money, so they want to have some skin in the game. However, there are strategies where you can minimize the amount you put in. So for example, you could control a property on a purchase lease option, add value. And once you've done that, Crowd Property can help you then buy it based on the value instead of the purchase price. Um, you could do an exchange with delay completion and do a similar thing. Add value, increase the value, and then Crowd Property will lend on the value rather than the purchase price. You could do a joint venture with a property owner. Now, this is really clever. You find someone who's got a property that could be developed and they don't have the time, the knowledge or inclination to do that. So you bring the money in from someone like Crowd Property who can, in some circumstances, 100% finance the development costs for you. So therefore, you're not putting any money in and you share the profit with the owner of the property. And then finally, vendor finance. It has to be done the right way. And I'll cover vendor finance briefly later on in this podcast. But again, Crowd Property can help you with funding that, whereas many normal lenders won't want to do it because they just don't understand it. So key distinction number four was all about thinking really big and also scaling up your property investing. Um, you know, no great achievement was ever made by thinking small. And a great way to expand your thinking is to learn from other people who have achieved incredible results. Because if they've done it, it means it's possible and it can really inspire and motivate you to think much bigger. Um, and so I, I would encourage everyone to really dream big and think big and, and step up to the next level. And so we had three really inspiring interviews. We had Stuart Scott, who was really one of the pioneers of the co-living revolution. And uh, when he came on Mastermind by going into co-living, he was already investing, but he added an extra £130,000 of profit per annum to his cash flow because um, he was thinking big. Dan Hill, uh, a real successful entrepreneur, um, again, with no property background, he came on and got to £120,000 per year profit, again, from scratch, uh, just by really thinking big. And then Luke Spikes, uh, again, another serial entrepreneur, no property experience. Uh, he really interestingly treated his investing like a business, as you should, really looking at what does the customer want? What does the consumer want? And he absolutely smashed it. And in his first year on Mastermind, got up to £176,000 per annum uh, from scratch. And he was talking about how he's scaling up. He wants to get 10,000 rooms over the next 10 years. And he's doing it on very much a franchise model. So again, thinking really big and really scaling up uh, was really empowering and inspiring content. And then um, lesson number five was really how you can release equity at no cost to you. And a lot of people think that they can't invest in property because they don't have any money. And they're thinking about the cash in the bank or the lack of cash in the bank. Whereas actually, if you have a property, either a home you own, or maybe an inherited property, or maybe you've got some investment properties, 
Very often there might be equity in those properties that you can release and that gives you more funds to further grow your portfolio. And sometimes people are reluctant to release that because it gives them an income they don't want to lose or maybe they don't really, they're not comfortable with getting into debt. But this is good debt. This is buying assets that are going to appreciate in value and debt that pays for itself as long as you know what you're doing. And so it's a really smart thing to do to look at the equity you have and release it. I actually did some mentoring with someone from Property Magic Live. We, uh, A lot of the audience had private coaching calls with my coaches as part of the program. And we picked one person, a lovely lady called Colleen. And um, she had properties. She was she felt stuck. She had about, I think, four or five properties, mainly in London. She was getting about a thousand pounds a month coming in. She wanted to get to four thousand and she didn't know how to do it. And just by looking at the properties she had, we showed her how actually she's got so much equity she could release and use. And she just hadn't seen it that way. Now, look, she's a smart lady, she's a scientist, but sometimes we need someone else to help us look at our portfolio and really understand exactly what we can do. So another tip there, by the way, is if you have got lots of properties, get someone to coach you and mentor you who knows what they're doing. And actually, maybe you've got all these assets just right in front of you. Um, and then obviously, um, like I talk about in the book Property Magic on page 165 about how you can use equity from your own home at no cost to you, we went into that and, and we gave some examples. Um, obviously, be very careful who you lend money to if you're lending, but it's a really good way of, of being able to build your portfolio. Lesson number six was really about how to find great deals in your area. And we talked about what makes a great deal. That's a really important thing to start with. And the, the key here is to find motivated sellers. Um, I've got a number of podcast episodes all about this, so maybe look those up. But it's finding people, the 5% of people who are really motivated, and they're going to be more flexible on price and all the terms. And then we had a bit of an expert panel looking at bigger deals. And I had, um, first of all, had Hanif Khan, who's a serial deal source, so source over 500 deals, prolific, successful entrepreneur. I then had a conversation with Ranjan Bhattacharya, who's a real expert in commercial property. And we were talking about all the commercial property opportunities coming up. And then we had a conversation with Paul Davis, who again is a, a prolific sourcer, and he's got a technology company called Nimbus Maps. And all three of these experts agreed that what's happening now in the UK market is incredibly exciting for us because we believe the market's going to crash and it's going to be like going back to 2009. And 2009, 2010 was a great time to buy property if you knew what you were doing. So we are all really excited about the opportunities that are coming and I hope you are as well because it's going to be some really, really good opportunities to buy. And then... Um, as I said, one of the key elements of Property Magic Live was mindset, not only giving you great inspirational case studies of people just like you who've been successful, but we had a guest speaker, uh, an international speaker, um, a very good friend of mine, Dr. Benjamin Hardy from America. I know Ben from some of the uh, mastermind groups that I'm in actually over in America. They're not property groups, they're kind of business groups. And Ben's the author of the uh, international bestseller, Willpower Doesn't Work. And he's just released a new book this year, which is Personality Isn't Permanent. And there were some really fantastic quotes, uh, distinctions from Ben's talk that I want to give you. If you get a chance to listen to, to Benjamin Hardy uh, or read his books, absolutely do it. They're brilliant. Um, but he talked about a few things I want to share with you. He talked about the bigger the future, the better the present. And the importance of having a big, bold goal for the future 
and that is going to help you live a better present. And he talked about if you're not, these are not all his quotes, by the way, these are from, he did reference everyone, but I'm just paraphrasing some of the things he shared. Um, he talked about if you're not embarrassed by who you were 12 months ago, well, you've not grown enough, you've not learned enough. He also talked about um, how important it is to determine your single measurable goal rather than having four or five goals you want to achieve. What's the most important thing you want to do and keep really focused on that. And he says one of the things that that keeps us from our goals is if we have a clear path to a lesser goal. Sometimes we have smaller things and and we know how to achieve those. So we focus on those and we're not focusing on the really big important thing you want to go for. And then the final quote that I just absolutely loved, he talked about some research that says that if you are 100% committed to your goal, it's easier than being 98% committed. Because if you're 98% committed, you'll let yourself off. And I meet so many investors who say, yeah, well, I think I should get into property. I think I should uh, you know, get some uh, cash flow and I want to get a legacy for the future. But they haven't 100% committed. There's a famous quote by Michael Jordan saying, once he's made a decision, he can just forget about it because he's decided he doesn't need to think about that again. So this was a really powerful section. And Ben was actually a guest two years ago at Property Magic Live where he was talking about uh, willpower doesn't work and the importance of getting people around you, environment to help support you. Um, and this was just a real step on an addition from that as well. Uh, lesson number eight was all about how to raise private finance. And we talked about the difference between private loans and joint ventures and we talked why most people do joint ventures because they're easy, but actually they can cost you a lot of money. So whilst joint ventures can be great and it's better getting 50% of something rather than 100% of nothing, more experienced investors tend to progress onto private loans. And then we had two really inspirational case studies. Uh, Thomas Muir talked about how he would had raised a lot of money by literally going out onto social media, LinkedIn particularly, and posting and telling people what it is. That's a really big tip here, guys. You know, let people know what you don't be the best kept secret. If you are looking to do deals, looking to raise money, let people know. So over time they see, yep, this person knows what they're doing and they get some confidence around that. And then Rowena uh, Ganglui um, talked about how she'd actually raised uh, pretty close to a million pounds um, and it was about speaking to a family and friends. And she explained that it takes a little time with family and friends. It's a bit of a slow burn. Um, but you know what? Actually, they are a great source of people who have funds because, you know, a lot of people have money in the bank and they don't really talk about that because it's not really seen as the etiquette thing to do. But anyone with money in the bank right now has got a real problem because they're getting hardly any return. And if you can give them confidence in what you're doing, you already know them. There's already the, the trust factor there. Family and friends are the absolute best places to start. So it was really inspiring to hear their case studies and how they got people involved. Um, lesson number nine is all about the importance about building relationships with the seller. Look, if you want to get a motivated seller to sell to you at a discount or be flexible on the terms, they have to they have to like you. And the way they like you is by you asking great questions, you listening to them, and then you could do some pretty incredible deals. So we had, again, three inspirational case studies. Jackie Edwards, who's known for Rent to Rent, she came onto our mastermind program and that's what she started with. And she was talking about a deal that turned from a rent to rent into a purchase lease option. And then when they actually came to buy it, the owner did vendor finance with them. And I'll talk vendor finance in just a moment. 
Christine Hertog also talked about how she wanted to buy a property. The sellers didn't want to sell at a discount, but they didn't really need all the money. And so again, she did vendor finance, put none of her own money in. And she actually got an interest-free loan for seven years from the owner, which is just incredible. And then Neil Chowdhury talked about one of his deals that was an exchange with delayed completion. It was a great deal in one of the best areas in Leicester, right next to Leicester University for student lets, and everyone else had missed it on right move. And by knowing what to spot, he went in, he did a great deal. And there were some problems. He worked with the seller, built rapport, helped them solve the problems and got a really fantastic deal as a result of it. So it's really important to just understand that there are great deals out there, but really building the relationship with the seller is really, really important if you want to be successful. And finally, lesson number 10 was all about how to use vendor finance. So this is a method of very low or no money down purchasing. And you generally buy the property at full market price and the seller helps fund the deposit and the costs. Um, basically, you get a loan from the seller. Now, this cannot be done with traditional mortgage lenders. Uh, it's got to be done in the right way. You're not trying to hide anything because that might be construed as mortgage fraud, which is not a good thing, obviously. So it's doing it completely legitimately um, and it only works in certain circumstances. So we went through the circumstances when it works and I'm actually going to do a podcast all about this because um, there are basically four ways you could do it. And it depends if there's a mortgage or not on the property. And also it depends how well you know the seller and the kind of relationship you've built between them as well um, but it's a great strategy and we're going to cover more on this in future episodes of the property magic podcast so that's pretty much uh what we covered at property magic as you see it was a pretty jam-packed three days um it was really really fantastic to see the way we were able to deliver this virtual event and yet have the breakout room. So there's still a lot of connection and networking. And some people said that they probably connected with more people than they would at a physical event because of the way we did it. So I'm going to be doing some further training that's going to be a bit longer. We can go into a bit more detail about these 10 key lessons. And you can either sign up by clicking on the link in the show notes, or you can go to this website, which is www.propertymagiclessons.co.uk. That's www.propertymagiclessons.co.uk. And you can register for that online training. And um, as ever, I would encourage you to invest with knowledge, invest with skill. See you in the next edition. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me via LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media and I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property trading for free. All of the details are available in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.